You're listening to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm your host, three-time Olympian and motivational speaker, Leah Amico. On this show, we're going to dig deep to unlock what it actually takes to build a foundation for greatness. If you're an ambitious person with big vision, but you feel like fear is holding you back, get ready for some major breakthroughs. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Gold Standard Podcast. Today's guest was a second round draft pick by the Chicago Bulls. He played four seasons in the NBA. He won a an NBA championship with the Lakers in 1987. He has gone on to be an ESPN college basketball analyst, which he currently does now, as well as he's been a professional speaker for over 28 years. Welcome to the show, Adrian Branch. Wow. Thank you. I'd like to meet that guy. You just sauced him up so much and siced him up. I'm like, oh, I, love, I want to meet this guy. Who is he? <laughs> That's right. With all these accolades, I know you have lots of great information to oh. share with us today. Well, I'm excited to hear a little bit about your journey. First of all, tell me what it was like to win an NBA championship. Oh, my goodness. It was super cool. Um, I'm 23 years old. I'm coming from the Washington, D.C. area. The Lakers, Magic Johnson was my hero. So I wear shoes on. I'm six foot eight. I get the height from my dad. So back in the 70s and 80s, there were three players you wanted to be like. You wanted to be like if you were between six foot six and six foot nine. You wanted to be either Dr. J, Magic Johnson, or the Iceman, George Gervin. So those were one of the three you always wanted to be like. So I got a chance to play with Magic. It was a dream come true. It was the height of showtime. Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy, Pat Riley, the GQ coach, and then Clay Thompson's dad uh, from the Golden State Warriors, Michael Thompson. Michael Cooper. So you know what, Leah, it was timing was everything. I was 23 and it was everything you can imagine. It was absolutely fantastic. So did you grow up um, falling in love with basketball at a young age? Did you know, like, that's my goal one day I'm going to be in the NBA? Yeah. You know what? That's a good question. I, I, uh, I get the height from my dad and I'm left-handed like my dad, but I had three brothers. So all of us played sports. And I remember as a four-year-old, Central High School in Seat Pleasant, Maryland, well before Kevin Durant put it on the map. I'm four years old at Central High School. I'm so excited. My dad was coaching my two older brothers, uh, Tom, who went on to play at Old Dominion College, got a scholarship. And then my brother, Phil, went to play at Shepherdstown, West Virginia College. But I remember I'm four years old, and I remember it like I'm talking to you right now. I was like, Dad, Dad, can I play? Can I play? And he said, all right, let me see how strong you are. A little left-handed, cocked that ball up, took a shot, and went right through the net. <laughs> and was shooting ever since. So that was... I still remember my first shot. Oh, I love that. That's so exciting. And, you know, I hear you say, you know, being that younger brother, I feel like sometimes when you have these families that have multiple, whether it's girls or boys, and then all of a sudden the older ones are playing, it's almost like that younger one is able to reach higher heights because they watch what the older ones are doing. And maybe they do start younger. Was that the case for you? Well said. So it took out all the fear. So I remember my dad saying, if one of y'all fight, we grew up in Seat Pleasant, Maryland, hard working suburb. It's one mile outside of the D.C. line. My mom and dad grew up in northeast D.C. and their backyards touched each other. So uh, my mom is the fourth oldest of 11. My dad's the oldest of five. And so I got man, over 40 first cousins or so in the D.C. area, just a mob of folks. Um, 
But I remember the mindset being the third. My dad said, look, if one of y'all fight, all of y'all got to fight. So I was like, oh, I'm figuring that out. My brother Tom got to throw hands. My brother Phil got to throw hands. I can talk all the trash I want because I ain't got to back it up. They got to fight for me. Uh, but fortunate, we had a hardworking, great neighborhood. People loved each other. But I always had that in mind. I can talk all the trash I wanted because my brother's got to do the fighting for me. <laughs> that is funny. Did you have that support then from your parents to be oh, able absolutely. to go? Absolutely. They, they wanted us wanting to stay out of trouble. Uh, and so football, basketball, baseball, we just played sports year round. And so my dad kept he was our coach, Big Charlie. He was a no nonsense guy. Uh, all the hardheads in the neighborhood respected him. The good guys respected him, uh, had big respect. And he was my example of a coach. He knew how he, he knew uh, how to talk to folks. He knew when to hug and when to bug. And he was a commanding presence. So just like you mentioned, your college coach that uh, just was just amazing, communicated well. Uh, he believed in you and had a can do at a boy, at a girl. I once heard that it takes for every negative comment, it takes a hundred attaboys. It takes a hundred attagirls to wash it through. Um, another one I heard, it's like a six to one ratio. So when you get that sincere parent or coach or mentor, that's like, I believe in you, attaboy, girl, that pays dividends. You know, I can remember when I was coaching a high school team here in Southern California and this one athlete, she was young and we, and we put her on varsity and, and she, she was a role player, right? So she, I finally would give her a chance to hit. And I just could see all this pressure she was putting on herself. And she was trying to, with one at bat, earn the starting role. But the sure. idea was instead of thinking like, no, like this is an awesome opportunity. I'm young. I'm going to have my time. And I remember trying to just believe for her, <laughs> like oh, but yeah. the importance of, of believing in yourself. So you talked a little bit about mindset. Like, did you grow up with a really strong mindset? Like I can do anything. Absolutely. It ain't a fair fight. How I, I believe I, I was, I was always naturally gifted, you know, playing sports and, and could talk and, and was liked, you know, you can, you can make friends easily. That's what I want to say. You can make friends easily, but I always knew I was going to be a pro. I always knew I was going to play in the NBA. And I remember one time Hall of Famer James Worthy, my teammate, we were talking about that on the bus one time. And he talked about he always knew he was going to be a pro. And he used the example of Sylvester Stallone at the time, one of the top stars, he and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he also said, I knew he, I always knew I was going to be a star. That's what Rocky said. But he, he probably didn't say he always knew he was going to have to pay five wives either. <laughs> Alimony. <laughs> I didn't say that one. But where, where I'm going with that, Lee, is you kind of, some for some people, they always knew they were going to do something. I always knew I was going to travel. And I always knew I was going to have a beautiful family. Because at times, though we were a hardworking family, we were also very dysfunctional. So I always knew dreaming was no problem. I got stuff right here right now, man. If you Walt Disney, you know, it's fun to do the impossible. I got this persistence. This is in my office. You beat resistance with persistence. So when you talk about motivation, when you talk about encouraging folks, I'm going to give you one more. Let's take up my whole screen. What? You ready for this one? Bang. This talks about be anxious for nothing. So where I'm going, that's been in my wheelhouse. I believe it. And it's been able to bear fruit for me for many, many years. 
So what do you say to those people who are doubters and who are so hard on themselves and they have such negative self-talk or maybe that person who wants to believe, but their setting and the people around them actually have told them they'll never amount to anything? Well said. First of all, welcome to humanity. Welcome to (laughs) real life. The world is always going to tell you you're not enough. The world always tells you you're not tall enough, you're not short enough, you're not slim enough, you're not trim enough, you're not cute enough, you're not brute enough, you're not street enough, you're not elite enough, you're not black enough, white enough, rich enough, poor enough to roll with me. The world is always going to tell you rule and rule, do and do. But for me, and I know you're familiar with it too, what voice are you listening to? The voice that has helped me, and I know uh, speaking for you as well, the voice that helped you and helped me is the word of God you know, what precious promises. What are you? You're accepted and the beloved. You're a champion. You're a winner. Shine like a star. Why? Nobody's ever told me that. Yes, they told you that. They told you that in the Bible. In Philippians, it says shine like in a dark and depraved world. So, man, you ain't got to listen to the streets. The streets, that's why they're in the streets, because they always run in their mouth. Don't listen to that garbage. You're enough. You're enough. You're enough. So I found my purpose in Christ and I'm not going back, Leah. Wow, that is so powerful. Yes, I think of the verse that says, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. And and knowing that, it really does give you more confidence, more boldness. And if you already had some of that belief in what you wanted, you realize, wow, God made this part of my plan. He He put this passion in, in front of me. And then he's part of the one that's going to open these doors and I got to put in the work. So tell me, when did your faith become so important to you? When did you know that these truths? Well, again, we weren't perfect. We were hard working. Uh, There was also great dysfunction, but I grew up Catholic and my mom, a big Catholic family, my dad, big Catholic family, and my grandmother fed the meals to the priest. And my mother is one of 11 and one of the twins, my aunt, sister, sister B, aunt B uh, was a nun. And so uh, religion, church was always in our house. Now, again, I always like to just wear my hat sideways and, you know, I like I, I knew right and wrong, but I always like being a little bit on the edge side, you know, and, and I remember one time our colleague, Daryl Colbert, who, you know, he said, hey, man, you turn your hat around, you turn your life around. Um, but it, it became my own. It went from religion, 18 inches to a relationship when I was 30 years old. I was, uh, because of the world championship with the LA Lakers playing in Australia, I was considered the most decorated athlete in Australia that ever played over there. And that is because, uh, in fact, Ben Simmons, the great basketball player that went number one in the draft, I played against his dad, Big Dave Simmons, for three years. Uh, And what it was is it went 18 inches from religion to a relationship. And the pressure came off, Leah, where it was like, you don't have to perform. You don't have to walk around in shame. You don't have to walk around in guilt. Pass it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. I got another, I got another one for you. I got another one for you. Oh, here it is. Oh, my <laughs> daughter gave me this one, Jack, right here on my office. I got a few more too, but I'll save it throughout our talk. <laughs> For those people listening to the podcast, he just held up a cross and he has all these things in his office, these different plaques that have sayings that encourage. Yes, encourage. I'm going to show you this one too. I'm going to show you this one too. You know what this one is? The Pyramid of Success, John Wooden. Woo! But you went to Arizona, so I don't know. I see that. 
I hate, I, I well, see the hate on the Christian program. UC, Come on, don't. UCLA, UCLA was our biggest opponent <laughs> because they were the, they were it. They were the team to beat when I was coming up and Arizona had just come onto the scene as kind of being one of the nation's top teams. And then when I got there, um, we ended up winning three out of four national championships. We fell short to UCLA. So but... Why you roll your eyes? Why you roll your eyes when I just had the pyramid of success? You're giving back all your <laughs> no. love and good work. <laughs> You're like, oh, I, I love my UCLA friends and teammates. I played with so many UCLA players. And then also I got to meet coach Wooden and everything, everything he shares. And that's why I love, he had that success, but his foundation was, you know, really from the Bible and then how he coached that way. Um, Talk to me a little bit about playing overseas. What was that experience like? And did you like learn stuff about yourself during that period of time? Yeah, I learned, man. I learned, get my money. Get my, again, I'm going to turn that hat around again, Leah, as an example. I love Israel. I played in Israel, Spain, Turkey, France, Australia, Thailand, the Philippines, and Dominican Republic. And it was the dark ages back then, man, where you had to get your money, if you could get it, when you got paid, and then you would wire it home. Today, they're more civilized with it. They just pay you up front or they just wire it to your account so it can go directly home. But I, I enjoyed it. I actually came to the Lord in Australia. Uh, and again, this Bible here, man, has just been my best friend. It's been resodded. It's been recovered. But there's a saying, worn out Bibles belong to people who aren't. So, mm-hmm. man, read the word. The word of God will tell you that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. The uh, Bible will tell you that you're more than a conqueror. The world uh, will change on you. The world is fickle. Think about it with Christ. Christ basically had a ticker tape parade one week earlier called Palm Sunday when they were laying down the palms. Now, one week later, these were same people were saying, crucify him, crucify him, get him out of here, flog them, spit on them, crown of thorns. Uh, and just the point I'm making is people are fickle. Don't believe the hype. Trust in what God says. Trust in people that will really keep you accountable. Trust in people to be like, man, that wasn't funny. That joke wasn't funny. <laughs> you know, trust in people that will really check you and call you out because that's where you have your greater balance. When you're off balance, um, I once heard a preacher say, halt, H-A-L-T. Don't be too hungry, too angry, too lonely, too tired. Have a balance to yourself. And that's what the Lord says. Even the Bible says uneven scales are of no use to the Lord. And so during that time, did you, you know, a lot of athletes talk about playing free. Let's even say in the business world, right? We're constantly trying to work to achieve. And it's, it's almost just this, this hamster cycle, right? So you just keep going, Mm -hmm. going and you feel like, okay, wait, I, I, I maybe accomplished one goal, but now there's this next one and it's just never ending. Were you able to find that balance between playing free not finding your identity and what you did, but who you were, you know, how was that challenge? Great question. Again, it it takes time. It really takes time and it affects people differently. Now in one area I I went from, because my mindset, I always want to be the best. I want to be the best ever. I want to be, now that's, that's good to, to have the desire to try to be the best you can, but for whose glory? Is it for the glory of God or for the glory of self? Um, about my fifth year in the pros, I played 11 years. I got to the point, uh, basketball wise, where I said, I found that balance for me. I found that, I found that pocket. If it was music, you found that tempo, you found that rhythm, that airspace. 
And mine was simply this, let me do the absolute best I can. Let me do the best I can and let me be healthy enough to do it again tomorrow. That's my entire goal. Because if I do the best I can, I'll feel good about my performance. My bosses, my teammates will feel better about my performance and there'll be a greater consistency. And then the other thing is no fun when you're playing hurt. You know, if you've got to play through an injured back, injured hand, look at this pinky right here, Leo, my shooting hand, it won't straighten up. But I played through that my entire career and Larry Bird's got the same one. But to think about it, the doctor told me I should have been in church. It was Sunday. I was a uh, 12th grader in high school and somebody kicked the ball right into my finger and I had surgery. I was in the cast all the way up to my arm. I'm left-handed, but the doctor said, you drink a cup, you know, you hold a steering wheel and even a pencil or a pen. There's a, there's very few things you do straight out. So I had surgery on that little puppy had surgery on my, uh, right knee, I had a chip kneecap. And I said, I ain't having another surgery. I'm mailing it in. I'm Millie Vanilli. I'm anything, brother. I ain't getting no more surgery. <laughs> so let me do the best I can and let me be healthy enough to do it again tomorrow. And listening to you talk, those are a couple of challenges you had to face. I think, you know, injuries in athletics, it, it is. That's something, it's a challenge. Did being out during that time, did that maybe grow your passion? Did it teach you to where like maybe you focused a little bit more on the skills? Like what, what did that teach you? Well, I, I kind of always knew I was, you know, it, the game came easy to me. The game came easy to me. The athleticism came easy to me. Um, and again, making friends came easy to me. And I was not one of those people like Tiger Wood or Michael Jordan. As I was compared to these guys coming out of high school, like can't miss. Adrian Branch is a prodigy, can't miss. But I didn't fan my gift into a flame. I was just naturally gifted, naturally athletic, and uh, naturally likable. And those can cut corners on you. You're mm -hmm. cheating yourself. But you and I know that when you have an audience of one, when you're playing for the glory of God, the Bible tells you to fan your gift into a flame. So I didn't know, man, to be the first one there with a purpose and the last one to leave with a purpose and to do it for the glory of God. And so I cheated myself. Uh, you never want to live with regrets. I would live with regrets. Uh, in fact, one of the biggest regrets I have is a name, Lynn Bias. Lynn Bias, the one who was uh, one of America's greatest talents as a basketball player in 1986, one year after me at the University of Maryland. We were teammates. Uh, we were teammates and roommates and neighbors. So he only lived two or three miles from me in the D.C. area. And I would pick him up on Sundays nights as we go in the campus his freshman year because freshmen couldn't have cars. Unless you were at Arizona, they probably paid y'all under the table like they do for us in Maryland. I don't know. There's no way. <laughs> all right. We'll leave it at UCLA. All right. So anyway, um, my regret is I would have been a better team leader than ringleader in college, mm -hmm. you know, because Lenny died of cocaine and I would have, I would have changed the atmosphere and at least been a better example for my teammates back then. So you don't want to live with regrets. That is the biggest regret that I've had in my life. And through the mercy of God, I'm learning to live in the moment. You can't go back, but you're darn sure Laura Willing can go forward. Yeah. So I still probably got paid under the table. I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't know. Now it's bitcoins, but I don't know. <laughs> I barely got paid, so I don't know what you're talking about. But <laughs> um, then talk to me a little bit about teammates because when I'm listening to you, that's what I'm hearing. Like you said, you know, you were well liked and it was easy for you to make friends. And, you know, I look back at my experience on all my teams, and that's one mm -hmm. of the things I really take pride in were the relationships that I had on the field and off the field. The fact that we could talk softball, we could talk everything else. The fact that even though we maybe disagreed about everything, we loved each other. Um, I think that's so important in teams. And I think successful teams have that type of a balance. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, teamwork and the importance and getting along with others. Well, every, everyone has a role and I would recommend, I'm privileged to be a, a TV analyst for ESPN the last, oh my goodness, 18 years or so. Um, and been in sports, I was uh, privileged to be the Bobcats, uh, they were the Bobcats, Michael Jordan's team now, the Hornets, uh, first TV analyst back when they had a Mecca Okafor, their first pick, and Dwight Howard, number one and two in the draft. And the more I'm around sports, and you and I are privileged to be around sports, the more I believe, man, when you can sacrifice, when you can bring your giftedness into a team and submit to that role, it helps you, that same practice can help you in your marriage, can help you in your church, can help you at the job, can help you in your family. Everyone has gifts and talents, but it's how willing are you to submit it to the greater part. So um, hindsight is 2020, trying to live forward now. And it's like, don't be afraid to submit. Don't be afraid to sacrifice. Don't be afraid to not get the glory all at one time. Keep doing what you're doing for in due season, you'll reap a reward. And that's part of my story is just being willing to be moved. My coach made the decision to move me from pitcher to outfield. And, you know, it's like you, I just was like, fine, then I need to learn to be the best outfielder. It's out of my comfort zone. It's something new. But again, I wanted to be the best for the team. And I don't know that everybody takes that mentality. I think it's important in sports. I think it's important in families. I think it's important in business. Mm -hmm. I think it mm -hmm. really is important to say, you know, where can I make the biggest difference? And, you know, right. like you talked about submitting and surrendering that, um, let's go back to the challenges because perseverance really teaches us the most when we're doing really well, we don't usually learn the most. We enjoy it. <laughs> right. Mm. But it's when we get tested, not only, you know, I think it was John Wooden that said adversity introduces a man's character to himself. himself. It doesn't, to, you know, cause us to be a certain way. It actually reveals what is inside that maybe just now is coming out because of the situation. So, um, you know, what were your, your biggest challenges? You talked a little bit about injuries. Were there any other challenges you faced? Yeah. One was the attitude, man. I had an attitude. I couldn't be told nothing and enjoyed not telling again, that, that hat turning sideways, man. Coach say, sit down. I'd stand up. Coach say, go to the right. I go to the left. And so you can't let your greatest strength be your greatest weakness. I was gifted and talented. And again, I knew I was going to play. I knew I was going to get minutes, but you're really cheating yourself. So I had a reputation coming out of high school as a hot dog. Takes a lot of mustard to cover that hot dog. They would say, me, a hot dog? Who would have ever thought, Leah? <laughs> and, then, and then in college, they thought I was a head case, you know, driving the teammate to pick up drugs, getting kicked off the team for hanging around knuckleheads. Uh, Jerry West, the great Jerry West for the Lakers. I was a rookie. We won the championship and he wanted me, he wanted to groom me up to be the next Michael Cooper. 
And again, symbolically with this hat, the readers, the listeners can't see my hat's turned to the side. So he says, I want you to work on defense. And I'm like, she, 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 back then. Y'all should see his shoes. Liz turning as red as her shirt right now. And so that's before I came to the cross. So anyway, X-rated, X-rated. And I was like, I ain't playing no defense. I went out and scored 55 points in the prestigious LA Summer League in three quarters. In three quarters, I did my best Steph Curry before he was even born back then. <clears throat> I went out and did the complete opposite, scored 55 points, broke Dominique Wilkins and Isaiah Thomas scoring record. I saw both of them. I was on the bench when both of them played. And the point of the matter is I wasn't coachable. So my mm -hmm. biggest problem was myself. My biggest problem was getting over my ego. Ego has no amigo. And so, man, don't don't do that one. Get off of that LSD trip, not making fun of drugs, but get off of that LSD trip. Lost, stupid and dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you really do have the best one liners. I love that ego has no amigo. So good. <laughs> so good. And I, I think for me, like maybe because I didn't have the type of talent you're talking about. That's, that's the biggest thing I think about. I played with those athletes who were faster, stronger. One of my Olympic athletes was so talented. And she herself said that even through the Olympic years, like she never really pushed herself yeah, beyond, yeah. you know, yeah. because, because she was able to do so well with what she had. And like you said, was able to cut corners a little bit. Whereas an athlete like myself, I would have been just, you know, over on the side, <laughs> my career would end so, so early. So being coachable was such a big part of my story, but it's a good reminder because I, you never stop that, right. No matter what level you go to. So tell me when you became an analyst for ESPN, did, were you able to then take that and become coachable in that setting? Yeah, well, actually, at 30 years old, and it still took a lot of work. It took a lot of work. And my wife would say, I don't know if he's still housebroken yet. We've been together <laughs> 37 years. <laughs> so um, what it was is <clears throat> 30 years old, I came to the cross in Australia, went from religion to a relationship. It was uh, the movie Malcolm X was out with Spike Lee and Denzel Washington. Uh, my dad's, my Aunt Caroline and uh, Uncle Mitch Hassan are actually Muslim. My cousins are from first cousins are Muslim. So I was aware of the nation of Islam. And again, just Adrian's story. And my buddy said, Mike Morrison said, Adrian, God's not impressed with performance, your championship ring, the MVP trophy that you got at the prestigious East West High School All-American game in high school over the great Michael Jordan where Jordan scored 30 points and you scored your basketball number 24 points. Only way God is impressed with you is make a choice to put your trust in God through Jesus. And so I did live. It was a work in progress because yes, I was saved, but I was still raw. Yes, I was saved. But when I first came into the ministry, I had a deck of cards saying, let's go. All right. After amen. All right. Who wants to do this? Let's go. So but he who is greatly sinned is also greatly forgiven. He who sins little is forgiven little. He who sins much is forgiven much. And so for me, I'm running, man. It's like, let me talk, let me talk to this knucklehead. Let me talk to this person who everybody thinks is a head case because they still have potential. They're not throwaway junk if they choose not to quit on themselves. 
And what is the biggest message that you try to get across to audiences when you do speak? I know you share your story and, but what do you really want people to walk away with? You've, you've shared a lot today and it probably is connected to this, but you know, what's that main, main point of your message? Well, main point is when you see Adrian on this podcast, I turn my hat to the side about 15 <laughs> times. In references. That's my main point. He turns his hat a lot to the side. Um, but I actually be the change you want to see. Uh, mm -hmm. you're not born a winner or a loser. You're born a chooser. I really think it's all about choices, making the right choices. And again, not quitting on yourself. And high school had a lot of talent, but had an attitude and got kicked off the team uh, for my choices. And college had a lot of talent again with the great Lynn Bias. And I got kicked off the team a year, two years before he passed for driving the teammate to pick up drugs and in the pros. High school, college, and pros, Jerry West says, I want you to be like the defensive player of the year. And I went out and scored an offensive record <laughs> summer league. So be the change you want to see. Be the, it's not about you. Man, don't soak up all the oxygen in the room. Share the planet. Mm, that's a great message. And you, you're a dad. Um, so raising your kids, was it important to pass down what you maybe didn't have, even though you said you came from a good family, you know, but it kind of, you had a, a mindset and you went from religion to relationship. How has that helped you to raise your own children? Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. One, my wife was blessed to be home. So every day of their life, uh, Kim and I, we, we wanted, we wanted to espouse the virtues of hard work. Our family was hard work, but it was also great dysfunction. And so what we tried to do is take what we liked about growing up and then what we didn't like. And so what we wanted them to do is make their own choices. The foundation of God was not optional. Uh, I, I thought I was a super cool dad. Look, you ain't got to get A's and B's, but you better get an A in religion class. You better get an A <laughs> in, in theology class. So it was real cool. Math and science, you, I, don't, I don't really care. You can get whatever you want, but you better get an A. And uh, my daughter, Kylie, graduated from Liberty, both Kylie and Corey. So I got Adrian is 33, blessed, uh, 33, born New Year's Day. Real cool. Works in Allstate and got his own production company. Kylie is a graphic designer. And Corey Girl just is getting ready to graduate uh, this week uh, oh. from Liberty as well. And fashion and photography. So my 28-year-old, at the time, a few years ago... <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, she graduated summa cum laude. And I said, what is that? She said, dad, that means it's none higher. <laughs> so, <laughs> I got limitations there. So we got two summa cum laude and another one, my boy too. So I give all the honor. But what I'm saying with the kids, they all are individuals. I was mm -hmm. privileged to have my wife home, just encouraging them and talk to your kids, talk to them, have a tone, tact and timing. And we don't have, you know what? I've got a lot of these around. I've got a lot of these around, but you know what? I don't have my championship stuff mm. around for me because they have room for their own space. And that was just our story. Yeah, it's so good. I think that we we do want to make it better for our children. But like you said, we want to you know, take what we knew helped us. But what you mentioned about them being individuals, I was thinking when you're saying that, you didn't know what that that title meant, but you knew what the NBA, you know, MVP was <laughs> for sure. Right. We knew, we knew that our speak, our talk, right. Don't judge but, me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. but I, I love that because they paved their own way. And that was 
very important for me. I felt like my parents found the passion that I had, and then they just really primed me to be in the best environment, took me to lessons, took me, you know, sacrificed me, you know, with two jobs so that I could, you know, afford, we can afford to even go to tournaments and play travel ball. Right. And then, you know, that allowed me to get the college scholarship. And so for my boys, it has been, I know when they were younger, that was it. They don't need to live out my dream. I want to help them find out what they love and what God's created them to do. And then try to foster that as much as possible you know, yeah. from what I'm able to do. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about leadership. Um, because you know, a lot of these characteristics you're talking about just making some of these changes, but what were the qualities and the best coaches that you had? What, what were those qualities that they, they brought to the table? You know, it's interesting. I'm privileged to be able to speak at a leadership conference, uh, another no, next week, uh, with, uh, CEOs and some heavy hitters. And I, uh, I've really been privileged to have three Hall of Fame coaches. Now, didn't listen to them all at the same time, but I had three Hall of Fame coaches in high school. Uh, Hall of Fame coach Morgan Wooten, the winningest coach in the history of high school basketball. And he, he talked about two things all the time. One was priorities. God first. And he was a John Wooden knockoff. He, he and Dean Smith and Red Arback were his favorite coaches. Dean Smith, Red Arback, John Wooden. Morgan Wooten, winningest coach in the history of high school basketball, would talk priorities. God first, family second, school uh, third, and basketball fourth. And then he would always pay it off and say, inch by inch, life's a cinch. Yard by yard, it's really hard. Hmm. Inch by inch, life's a cinch. Yard by yard, it's really hard. Hall of Fame coach Lefty Giselle in uh, college. I went to college. He's a... inventor of Midnight Madness, where they started October 15th, and you could start at midnight. And uh, it was actually born out of just running a mile at the track with car lights on. So it was really uncivilized. Now today, it's a big you know, celebration. Wow. But he would talk about uh, this favorite quote from Gary Player. That was his favorite. The harder you work, the luckier you get. Now, I don't believe in luck, but I like what John Wooden would say, uh, chance favors the prepared. So that's what Lefty talked about, preparation. The harder you work, the luckier you get. And then in college, my other leader was Pat Riley, uh, uh, Showtime architect. And he told a story of this, Leah. He said he was 24 years old at the time. When I was with him, he was 45. So when he was in his second year as a pro and trying to get his identity on who he was, trying to find his rhythm, uh, he just got married <clears throat> to his wife and his dad, who was a coach in Schenectady, New York, was the last one to leave the church. And he rolled down the window and yelled out that he was pulling away. His mom and dad were pulling away. And he said, OK, Pat, remember, the time is now at some place, at some point, at some time you make a stand. And when you do, you kick some tail. Two weeks later. Those happened to be the last words he ever spoke to him. He died in a car accident. And so for my coach, that's the last thing his dad ever said to him. At some point, at some place, at some time, you make a stand. And when you do, you kick some tail. And so that bodes to me on having what are your non-negotiables? Who are you really? Take away the, the accolades. Take away the style and profile. Who are you really? And then let's go from there. Yeah, I think everybody needs to consider that. And 
we do have different non-negotiables. A lot of people will sacrifice a lot and even compromise their values and standards mm-hmm. to maybe receive what they think is the outcome they mm-hmm. want, but mm-hmm. eventually that catches up to you. And yeah, so yeah. I think it's, it is important. Very good words for all of us. I'm thinking while you're talking, we're talking about as great coaches, you know, good qualities for teammates. What about dealing with difficult people? <laughs> what kind of advice would you give to others? <laughs> so I'm putting you on the spot now. I, I maybe I just want advice for myself. I don't know how. <laughs> how do we best deal with difficult people? Smack um, the hell out of them for starters. <laughs> no, oh brother, whoa, where do you go from that one? Um, you know what? Uh, it's uh, go back to John Wooden where you just said one point is you just said adversity introduces uh it, it it to himself you know what i mean how'd you say that one i, I love that quote i've heard introduces that a man's character to himself yeah it introduces a person's character to himself so you're going to have difficult people and it's not about you so really if you can remove your ego about it how can you problem solve sometimes you got to ignore sometimes flat out move away sometimes you got to stand your ground with the bully or the irritating person and let them know your boundaries. Some people, sometimes people ain't going with their boundaries. So that's again, welcome to humanity. That's a part of life. But I, I think that irritating person, the longer I'm privileged to live, that irritating person is not so much about them. It's about training you and your responses to them. Wow. Very, very powerful. You're the first, first person I've asked that question to, but I got a just... question. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. I noticed your show and all of this. I got to ask you, this okay. ain't, since as you are a leader and influencer, what is some of the best advice you have gotten from coaches, parents or whatever? What's something that you still remember? You know, for me, um, so much is tied up into two things that only you can control your attitude and your effort. And you know, you talk about choices, but I think it's a lot of times tied to that as well. Like your attitude is tied to our thought process Mm. and how we think about ourselves, how we think about others, our worldview. And for me, you know, my faith, obviously being first and foremost in my life, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I try to have that joy from him Mm. and have that attitude, that positive mindset that I want to be the best, but not just for myself, one for God's glory, first and foremost, but then also to, to make an impact in a positive way. I feel like we look around and there's enough negativity, you know, more than we ever, you know, anything want to see. And so for me, that standard, um, you know, you were in the NBA, a lot of people look up to you. You're Mm -hmm. put on this kind of pedestal and our level is a lot lower, but we had that success. We were on that podium. We won the gold medal. And so for those that were looking, I didn't want it just to be about like what I did on the field, but even more than that, what I did off the field and then that work ethic, that ability that if you never stop, you know, trying to give your very best, whatever that looks like, right. We have good days. We have bad days, but showing up on every day, (laughs) showing up on every day and just giving what you have, because it is those days that you're not as strong and as confident Mm -hmm. that you probably learned the most. It was through our losses. We didn't lose a lot on team USA, but it was through our losses that we had the most reflection. We Mm -hmm. learned the greatest and we had to really dig deep and get back to the foundational things that we were trying to do. 
Well, Ecclesiastic says that to the point losses you've learned, it says it's better in Ecclesiastes to go to a house of mourning than a house of joy because perspective is the key to life. So just where you were just saying with attitude, uh, dealing with people, people that drive you nuts, what is your mindset? What is your perspective? Do I need to walk away from that person? Do I need to stand and say, hey, you are violating my boundaries? Do I need to just move fast, get into another situation? So perspective, attitude is everything. I, I, I love that, what you said. And even the Bible says, let this attitude be in you that was in Christ Jesus, that he humbled himself and made himself of no avail. So thank you for that encouragement. That is good stuff. Yes. Well, you shared so much um, wonderful information with us. I love your takeaways, honestly, inch by inch, life's a cinch, yard by yard. It's really hard. I just think of these things and you need to, you need to share to finish up. You need to share the, the saying that you talk about, about turning ordinary into extra, extraordinary. When? You say, you talk about that. You say stuff about ordinary, extraordinary. You have like a little saying, you don't, I don't know, know which I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry. <laughs> I have to charge you. That's another. Um, okay, I'm writing it down the next time you say it and I'll be ready. No, uh, you know what, as we, as we encourage folks and, and, and it's not about you and trying to have a cause bigger than yourself and knowing that, you know, you have a helper in God and God helps put you, his extra on your ordinary because somebody can say, man, I'm just an ordinary person. I'm just a natural man, a natural woman. And that's like, perfect. That is perfect. God puts his super on your natural, his extra on your ordinary, his un on your usual, his I am on your possible. So he makes you supernatural, extraordinary, unusual men and women of God, and you bring the I am, because that's what he's called, the I am on your possible, it can make, even make the impossible possible with the I am. Drop the mic. There you go. That's it. That's exactly what I was talking about. You knew that the whole time. <laughs> All right. Well, how can people find you, check you out? Do you have social media? Yeah, that's the wild part. I work with ESPN, um, an inspirational speaker. My kids have been trying to get me so Call my agent. It's on this raggedy cell phone. I dropped this <laughs> cell phone. This thing looks like World War Three. I got to get a new one. But I don't know, Liz. I'm somewhere on the internet, man. It's in the back signal. But okay. uh, USAO.org and ESPN and, you know, they find yes. Uncle A. But they've been trying to get me on that social media. And it's like, eh. <laughs> People, I know. Let people your, who work on the media weird. <laughs> let your kids tape you and let them share it because people need to hear your story. Well, I'm excited that people are going to get to hear what you shared with me today. Um, I love what you're doing. You're changing so many lives. And so again, thank you for, for sharing with us today. Give me a little saying and roll on out here. Uh, I love this one. I hope this is an encouragement for your audience. I remember hearing this one. Don't walk in front of me. I may not follow, don't walk behind me. I may not lead. Just walk beside me and be my friend. Yes, so good. Thank you so much, Adrian Branch. You just listened to another episode of the Gold Standard Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Um, hope you were encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Gold Standard Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. You can post on social media and tag at Leah20USA or use hashtag Gold Standard Podcast. Make sure you also subscribe so you get notified each week as a new episode releases. 
You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We appreciate your reviews as they help encourage others to listen in. Until next time, live out the gold standard and keep turning your goals into reality. Oh, 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 oh,